Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Are they real or are they fake? Julia Rose of Shagmag, the beautiful young lady who flashed Garrett Cole in Game 5 of the World Series, will join us next hour. A lot of questions for her, including what is next? Is there another sporting event they plan to flash? Was it really for breast cancer awareness or just to draw us all to shag mag successful happy halloween everyone home and home radio.com sports original we are brought to you by zip recruiter check them out at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter zip recruiter is the smartest way to hire couple minutes we'll check in with dc 1067 the fan what is the reaction there to the franchise's first ever World Series Championship. Brad Evans, Yahoo Sports, joins us with the latest fantasy tips for the week ahead. I'm Dave Briggs or Jeff Adams. For those of you that don't remember the real American hero who took a home run ball off the chest in Game 5, chest seems to be the theme of Game 5 of the World Series, doesn't it? Ross Tucker is Maui, the demigod of Moana fame, one of the all-time great movies. I'm just happy you're still wearing the hair, brother. You know what? I, 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 I'm kind of getting used to it. I, I can tell you this much. I now know for sure it's not a good look for me. That's for sure. <laughs> this is not a good look for me <laughs> at all. But I would say I'm kind of getting used to it. It's annoying, but I'm doing it for the show, for the Radio.com <laughs> app, for Radio.com slash home. And for the social media clips, at Ross Tucker NFL, at Dave Briggs TV, of course, at RDC Home and Home, and at RDC Sports. We're getting some nice uh, social clips. Dave, are you really sweating in your armpits through both shirts? What is the temperature? For those, for those of you watching. What is the temperature in your office? Uh, you mean the toy attic that I'm in? Uh, that's a good question. I'm sure I can check. On my phone here, I do have the ability to change the thermostat. But like, why not turn it down a little bit, or do we need to get you some different deodorant? Maybe we should get a deodorant sponsor for the show. Dude, dude, that is a great idea. And we could just, like, have all these shots, right, of my pit stains. That would certainly get us a new sponsor. Because we know it's not going to be Bud Light, because you have killed that possibility forever. (laughs) Hey, listen, I need a good deodorant. For those of you out there that want to hook up a stinky, sweaty, 43-year-old man, we are your show. We are your program. Bro, I sweat doing anything. I've got a massive sweating problem, but I like that. I love that. You know why? Because I can sweat off the demons. When I have a bad night, when I have a bad day, I go in the, I go either work out or I jump in the steam room, and I sweat away the demons, and it's all gone. That's a good thing. So I, I, I think that's I think. probably, you think that's why you're so skinny is that you have oh, like yeah. a, a metabolism <laughs> that's just always burning and you're always sweating and stuff. 
no question. Cause I eat like shit. I eat like a pound of butter every morning on my toast. When I get home from the other job, I eat a piece of toast with like half a tub of butter and I can see my wife's like, yeah, I'm never having sex with that again. I mean, it's the reason we will only, I only rebound at night when she's like, okay, I forgotten about the butter that you ate earlier this morning. Right. It takes a good Why 12 so hours. Much for, butter? Um, I think it's the stress and the lack of sleep that just, it makes everything better, bro. Oh God. I mean, so much butter that if I lean the toast, it actually drips off the toast onto my hand, onto the paper towel. Is that problematic? Dude, just go peanut butter. Peanut butter is better anyway. No, no. Peanut butter doesn't do that for me. It's the, it's the saltiness of the butter. I, it, and peanut butter does nothing for me at all. Butter toast is an absolute essential for my mornings. Only weekdays. Weekends, I don't need it. It's the stress. It's the early mornings. It's what it is. Anyway, I, I love the Maui outfit. I just wish you would get the hook. I'm happy to talk for like five minutes straight if it allows you to go get the hook for the end of the show. We're going to go to 106.7, the fan in D.C. in just a bit. We'll talk nationals. We'll also talk Washington Redskins because Washington dysfunction has never been clearer than it is right now with their left tackle, their prized left tackle, Trent Williams, who finally reported to the team ending his season-long holdout over an injury dispute or rather uh, an issue on the a growth on the top of his head. So he finally reported he was not dealt at the trade deadline, which all the NFL world expected him to be. Reports to the team, everyone thinking, okay, it's finally over. He's going to practice. He doesn't pass his physical due to, quote, discomfort with his helmet and the fitting of it. That is the Browns language. Again, he had off-season surgery to remove a growth on his head. A dispute over how that was handled is why he is held out through this entire season. What is your takeaway of the Washington Redskins handling of this guy and the fact that they didn't deal him before the trade deadline, 4 o'clock Eastern on Tuesday? It's just bizarre, Dave, in the sense that I almost feel like the Redskins at times, when they can't win on the field, it's like they pick fights off the field and try to win those then. I think they knew Trent Williams all along and said he does not want to play for them. They pass him on the physical. Then he says the helmet, there's, it's uncomfortable discomfort with the helmet and they say oh no that means you failed your physical so what's going to end up happening here dave is my guess is the redskins put him on nfi and he does not get paid for the entire year that's non-football injury list that does allow his contract to not toll for another year unless the redskins fight him on that and honestly given their track record I kind of expect them to fight him on it. And it's just a shame, right? I mean, he's been like their best player for almost a decade. And then this is how you treat him? It just it just seems like a really shitty way to treat one of your best players for a long time who's played with all kinds of injuries. He played with the dislocated kneecap last year. I mean, it just... It, 
there's a reason why this dysfunction happens there. I'm not even sure they realize this is dysfunction. It's a shame. I don't really know what Trent Williams is gaining by this. He'll get paid exactly $0 this whole year at age 31. That doesn't seem real smart if you're trying to maximize the money you get from this game to get nothing in your age 31 season. Uh, maybe he ends up playing the second half of the year after they give him this ultimatum. Maybe not. The Redskins are probably happy to not only not pay him and prove whatever point they're proving to nobody, and then they might even say, nah, you know what? We're going to try and argue that your contract should toll another year before we trade you. It's just it's a shame. It's almost like not only if they're losing on the field, do they want to pick a fight to try to win off the field, but it's almost like they want to be in the news for some reason, Dave. They want relevancy, and the Trent Williams drama gives them some relevancy. Yeah, it's impossible to understand. Uh, both both guys, to your point, both Trent Williams and, and the Redskins organization as a whole, Bruce Allen, Dan Snyder, clearly both sides trying to prove a point, and both are losing here. Charles Robinson from Yahoo tweeted this, the Cleveland Browns are furious with the Redskins over Trent Williams. They say six weeks ago, the Redskins could have had a first round pick for Williams from Cleveland. Washington waited six weeks. Cleveland basically said, and this is a quote from Charles Robinson, kiss my ass. You're not calling me now. Uh, why in your estimation, beyond trying to prove a point and set a precedent, would the would the Washington Redskins not go ahead, get that first round pick, and move on from this? Their season is headed in the tank. I think it's a miscalculation. I think that they thought their best leverage would be right at the trade deadline, not before. And they were wrong because the Browns would have been willing to give them more back before they lost a couple more games. I think the Browns realized this season's probably not going to go the direction they want it, whether they trade for Trent Williams or not at this point. I think it was a miscalculation by the Redskins. They should have traded him earlier. Now that they didn't, they're going to go ahead and wait till the offseason where they believe they'll get more than what they were offered a couple days ago. Not the only trade deadline drama. It continues with the New York Jets. Jamal Adams still angry that he was, well, he wasn't necessarily shopped, but in his eyes, the safety for the New York Jets, very talented safety, by the way. In his eyes, he was shopped. In the eyes of the New York Jets, what really happened is they took calls on a very talented player that other teams thought might be able to be pulled away via trade. Notably, the Dallas Cowboys made quite a run at him, but didn't get the deal done on the final minutes. And given Jamal Adams' latest comments on this, first he said that they went behind his back and shopped him, and GM Joe Douglas suggested otherwise, that they merely took calls, which is the job of a competent general manager in the NFL. But given his latest comments, there may finally be proof, evidence of CTE in a living player. This is what Jamal Adams had to say about this situation. I didn't take that lightly. It definitely hurt me. You know what I mean? I hold myself at a high level. And here is the beauty. The Rams, they don't take calls on Aaron Donald. 
the Patriots don't take calls on Tom Brady, that's where I hold myself in that regard. Ross, what is wrong with Jamal Adams that he holds himself in the regard of the greatest of all time at the quarterback position and the best player on the defensive side of the ball and arguably in the NFL today, Aaron Donald? Yeah, and that part of it doesn't even bother me, Dave. I mean, he holds himself in high regard. Good for you, Jamal. You should. I think that's great. But it's still a business, and I'm just floored, especially considering his dad played in the NFL, that he doesn't realize the Jets' offensive line stinks, they have no pass rushers, their corners are horrific, and that if a team calls and is really interested in any player at this point, that the Jets would be doing themselves and their fans a disservice if they didn't listen. What if they offer 10 first-round picks for you, Jamal, because you're so good? Use your head. Use some logic. I mean, it's kind of like Baker Mayfield, right? Baker Mayfield, put on your big boy pants and answer the questions and stop getting so flustered just like you are when you're in the pocket. Now for Jamal Adams, put on your big boy pants, bro. It's pro football. Guys get traded. Good players get traded. Jalen Ramsey got traded. He's every bit as good as you are, if not better. I mean, look, I get chip on the shoulder, Dave. I, I, I get all that stuff. I got a chip on my shoulder mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I, I, I got an edge of me. They shouldn't try to, tra- dude, grow up. That would be my recommendation. Put on your big boy professional pants, grow up, realize they were offered a first round pick and more for you and they turned it down because you're valuable to them. But it, they're only stupid if they don't listen. And you're stupid if you don't realize they're stupid if they don't listen. Yeah, you know, you take that as a compliment. They turned down that Cowboys offer of a first-round pick plus. Cowboys, though, probably could have gotten that deal done. A bit surprising they didn't up the ante. Certainly would have changed uh, the, the makeup of that defense. He should realize Le'Veon Bell was not offended. He should just talk to his teammate, go a few lockers down. Talk to Le'Veon Bell, who, by the way, is a future Hall of Fame running back who apparently was a part of trade discussions, didn't find anything they liked enough, was stunned that there were people, by the way, that thought Philly should be in the hunt for that. They are all set at the running back position, but that's not the point. The point is a future Hall of Fame running back was not offended by being brought up in trade discussions. Le'Veon Bell went on Instagram and told people he is thrilled to remain with the Jets, to be a Jet, and pleaded with the patience of the fan base. I'm not sure how they're going to keep this locker room together. Is Adam Gase the guy to do it? Not entirely clear. Not entirely clear if Adam Gase is the guy for the Jets to keep them together. All right, let's go uh, to 106.7, the fan in D.C. who is celebrating the first World Series championship in the Washington Nationals history. Earlier this morning, uh, just to give you a taste of how happy the fans are in the nation's capital, heck, they're not talking about impeachment, so they must be thrilled about that. Here is a caller in the 106.7, the fan, to give you a taste of the emotion and the passion of that fan base. Let's go to Anthony in Dulles. Anthony, what's up, pal? You're all in the jocks. Oh, my gosh, guys. What a beautiful morning. I clicked on Channel 5, and... 
I was absolutely just tears of unbridled joy. I mean, these guys fought so hard, just like the Caps. And, uh, oh, my God, simply simply beautiful. I mean, Strasburg uh, Lurch, he is definitely our ace man and well-deserved MVP. And, I mean, the, the entire group, how we came in clutch, I mean, Adam Eaton, I mean, man, Soto, everybody, I mean. Anthony, see, uh, what, see what sports does to you, buddy? He's you're, definitely emotional. Uh, you're breaking down. That's what sports does to people. Yeah, especially when you have, you know, put in and invested so much effort and so much time and so much love into your home teams and, and, and to see this happen twice in almost three years uh, with the Caps and, and, and the Nationals, this is just it's top, awesome. Top I'm just so bird. happy for our kids. Thanks, Anthony. I'm happy for Sorry. the older folks, all those old guys yep. that the old Senators fans that were dying to get baseball back at D.C. and we kind of teased them. Well, I'm so happy Ted for Lerner them. And Mike Rizzo talked about last night. Yep. He was there with his 90-year-old dad. Pretty psyched this morning on 106.7. The fans celebrating the Nationals' first ever World Series championship. Let's talk about it with Grant Paulson from 106.7, the fan in D.C. He's on 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock. Here, here, a lot of callers just like that. Grant, good to talk to you, my friend Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker. What is the scene in the nation's capital this morning? Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to D.C., guys, and, and being able to answer that question. What I've seen so far is videos and bedlam. I'm actually still in Houston. I'll be doing the show from our intercom station in Houston today. I was at the ball game last night and in the clubhouse deep into the evening talking with just about every player and coach on the team. Uh, but, yeah, it's a pretty incredible run, unlike anything we've ever seen in baseball or any sport. Yeah, I mean, and, and I want to flesh that out a little bit, Grant. We've talked to you about this before, but not only their record, but letting arguably their best player and having him leave and go to the Phillies. I mean, I just feel like I, I can't name another example for this. Is there any precedent for a team not only getting off to that bad of a start, but losing arguably their best player and then winning the World Series? No, there probably isn't. But I think what we learned is twofold. One. You know, Bryce Harper was a hell of a player, and they were better off with him than without him because of the presence he has in the lineup and his ability to hit 40 home runs, Ross. But, you know, he wasn't their best player. Uh, Anthony Rendon, who was their MVP this year, is a better all-around player and, and proved that this season. You know, one of the reasons they didn't sign Bryce Harper was because they plan on signing Anthony Rendon and possibly Trey Turner. You can make the case just from a sheer speed and and stolen base and defense standpoint might actually be more impactful or put more pressure on teams even than Rendon, who is their number one option. You know, what people didn't account for when they lost Bryce Harper is they'd planned for life without him by trading for Adam Eaton, who had a really team-friendly contract, who's a good defensive right fielder and a, a scrappy guy at the top of the order who had a hell of a World Series. They were able to graduate Juan Soto from their minor league system to the Dominican Academy, who's 21 years old as of this week, and is already maybe one of the top 10 players in all of baseball. And he himself looks like a guy who's going to win some MVP awards, went 3,100 this year and flirted with 300 and a 1,000 ops. Now, this was a team that was ready and prepared to not have Bryce Harper. And the other thing that I think we learned was they were better off in the clubhouse without him. And that's not to knock him today. I don't want to spend a lot of time on my show specifically talking about him. But, you know, I've been around this team for many years. And I don't know that this was Bryce Harper's fault, but. He's one of the Beatles, and you can't go into that clubhouse 
and not have it be about Bryce Harper. Even if he wanted to be one of the guys, that was just never going to happen. And so for the Nationals to not have him in the clubhouse and to have the closest-knit, best chemistry group I've ever seen and ever been around in any sport, I just don't think that would have happened if he was still here. Yeah, we're talking to Grant Paulson, 106.7, the fan in D.C. I, I don't. I think the Bryce Harper thing is uh, getting too much play as well. But the fact that this team got through so much adversity, everyone talks about the 19 and 31 number, one of the worst bullpens in the last 20 or 30 years in the major leagues. The fact that they continually trailed in the postseason and they trailed in game seven and they dropped three games at home in the world series. How important has that chemistry, that looseness, that goofiness been in overcoming adversity every single time? Oh, it was everything. It was the entire story with this group. And I said, we haven't seen a run like this. And, and I mean that because literally it's never happened by way of the numbers. I mean, they won eight straight road games in the playoffs. They were the first team in, in one of the major sports to win all four of the games they played on the road in a best of seven series to, to lose three times at home and still win a series. They played five elimination games this October and they went five and zero. Oh, and they trailed in five of them, several of them in the seventh inning or later. They scored more runs after the seventh inning this year than any team in baseball. And they were down two runs to the Brewers in the eighth in the wild card play-in game just to get to the division series. Josh Hader comes out of the bullpen, one of the better relievers, scariest relievers in baseball, and they get to him for three runs. A left-on-left -left hit from the aforementioned Soto against a guy who'd given up eight hits all year to lefties. Hadn't done it in weeks. The stories that will be told about this team are that of legend. It really is incredible. I thought last night's script was perfect. They couldn't do anything off Zach Renke for innings. 16 straight batters were unable to get a hit before Anthony Rendon got a home run. Then Juan Soto drew a walk and Howie Kendrick homered again. And the line started moving. It was very vintage Washington Nationals. But the, the togetherness at the clubhouse, and you're talking to a guy right now who's very analytically minded, numbers driven, and sometimes dismissive of some of the intangible kind of quote-unquote locker room things. This team is, is eye-opening to me and has taught me a lot about sports and a lot about baseball this year. And I'll view intangibles and clubhouse stuff different than I ever did before this because I don't think another team would have been able to do this. It was just the perfect storm with a collection of veterans who's been through the rigors, one of the oldest teams in baseball all year long. And if it was a younger group, a more talented group maybe, but without some of the seasoning, I'm just not sure if they would have had the reserve to continually come back all year long and in all of the games that they did in the playoffs. All right, Grant, I think we've talked about this before, okay? But, you know, the Indians have never won the World Series. I'm from Philly. You know, I, there's a lot of teams out there that have been around a while. Sell me <laughs> – on why the Nationals fans deserve this after whatever it is, 14 years or 15 years, when there are fan bases out there that have been waiting a whole lot longer than that. Well, how many of those fan bases have a 75-year-old guy who watched the team leave their town you know, and bald about it and then waited 34 years to get baseball back? And when they did get baseball back, you know, watch the team inherit the Expos who were not good and lose 100 games a handful of times as the worst team in baseball. And in the process, uh, just one gap after another is the, the butt of jokes in Major League Baseball. In the worst ballpark in the sport, RFK Stadium, where you're backing up with sewage and different things, a former football stadium. 
that wasn't good years ago when it was last hosting football games and, and, and you're misspelling the team name on your jersey and you're shooting hot dogs out into the crowd that are spewing all over people and, you know, the dead spins writing about you every third day. Uh, it, was a, it was a bad time. You know, so you get baseball back and then they're the Nationals because they can't spell their name right and they're losing more games than anybody else. And so uh, it's not really about 15 years, frankly. You know, part of it is, I think, prior to the Capitals breaking through, there just wasn't a city that was kind of statistically uh, with four major sports teams longer due in terms of number of seasons without a conference championship and a, and a title than Washington, D.C. So I think it was the additive nature of the Caps failures, the Nationals getting to the division series. In 2012, best record in the National League. 2014, number one seed. 2016, 2017, favorites to get out of the NL. And every year in gut-wrenching, heartbreaking fashion and innings that have never happened before with the wackiest things imaginable taking place and balls being lost in the lights. You know, they'd get eliminated in game fives of these division series one after another. You know, there was a game where they had a six-run lead in the game five and blew it. They never got out of the first round until this year. So you add all that up. And you've got you know, a city that really, really likes baseball and twice has had the team taken away from it for different reasons that gets baseball back. Now you've got a generation of people my age, Ross, who uh, had to grow up driving two and a half hours to go to Orioles games in Baltimore and the, the number six media market in the country didn't have a ball club. Uh, and then you got guys last night, like one guy I bumped to outside the ballpark who was in tears because he remembers going to games with his dad and losing the team the first time. I would say it's a it's a very, very unique history that is hard to find anywhere else. Talking to Grant Paulson, 106.7 The Fan in D.C. They will hold a parade on Saturday in the nation's capital. Uh, hundreds of thousands will certainly tune out uh, for that. Let me ask you about the guy who stepped up for them late. It was Anthony Rendon. Of course, Howie Kendrick, probably the hero of this postseason together with Steven Strasburg. But Anthony Rendon, is it a foregone conclusion he is elsewhere this year? He is a free agent. He is a Scott Boris guy. Well, it's a foregone conclusion that he gets the free agency for sure and that he tests the market. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Am I 100% sold he leaves? No, I've been pretty close on that for a while to being 100% sure. I think last night helps a lot, though. You know, just you celebrate a championship in a locker room with your buddies, and they let him pop the first champagne bottle last night, I think, you know, partially by design. And you're spraying champagne in the faces of your brothers who you've been battling with all year and in some cases for many years. I think that that really goes a long way toward making you want to stay somewhere. I think it's just natural if you have a ton of success and, and you accomplish what you set out to, uh, it gives you some hope. I would say the same about Steven Strasburg, you know, who's going to opt out of his contract very likely, try to get a raise. I would expect him to stay much more than I would Rendon. So if I had to guess, I would say Rendon leaves. You know, teams like the Texas Rangers, he's from Houston, uh, going to the American League would make some sense. I could also see him ending up in, in the National League East with a club like the Mets or even the Braves, uh, a la Harper going to Philadelphia. But uh, he is a brilliant defender and an exceptional hitter and he's an MVP candidate very legitimately this year and he carried this team at times during this October run Grant uh, just curious we had one of our guys Nick Costos on the first hour 
He was incredulous that A.J. Hinch did not put Garrett Cole in the game in the seventh inning and that Garrett Cole did not pitch at all last night. Did you find that to be as egregious? I would say probably if he was incredulous, not quite as egregious. Here's what I, I found to be egregious was I thought Zach Renke's hook was really quick. I mean, he has carved the Nationals up like a pumpkin almost every single time he's faced them in his career. In fact, maybe his worst outing ever against them was in the World Series earlier this round at Nats Park where they couldn't score off of him, but they just got a bunch of base runners on and ran up his pitch count and knocked him out in the fifth inning. But generally, this guy flirts with no hitters and gets into the seventh and it's all weak contact. They just can't solve him as a riddle. So when he had carved through that lineup and he's third time through now and it's been 16 batters since they last got a hit, Rendon gets a mistake change up and buries it into the left field seats. So right away, they, they get a walk from Juan Soto and a great at bat and they go immediately to the bullpen. And I just think when you do that, you don't know what you're going to get. You know, in that spot, I know a lot of fans scream about needing it to be Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's a starting pitcher, and he hadn't pitched out of the bullpen in a long, long time. Now, frankly, I don't even know when the last time he, he would have. But my point would be to come in in the middle of the inning is, is an odd thing. I mean, I talked to guys about this all playoffs with the Nationals. Corbin did it. Strasburg did it. Scherzer did it out of the pen. None of them came in to basically inherit runners other than Corbin in, in one spot. And it's just not what they're trained to do. So, my guess is yeah. he wanted to go to a reliever to get out of that inning, and then maybe you go to Cole immediately thereafter. When you lose the lead, his plan probably changed. And that's why I don't think it's as egregious as everyone else does. To bring in a starting pitcher with a runner on base in an inning they haven't pitched in in relief, it, it all sounds great, but it's just not something they're used to doing. Talking talking to uh, Grant Paulson, 106.7 The Fan in D.C., and it was Howie Kendrick that broke this game open. He has been incredible throughout this run, the Grand Slam to advance beyond the NLDS. 36 years old. Is there a less likely hero than Howie Kendrick in this postseason, given a World Series full of big-name stars? Well, so it's, it's a great point. And I think on a national level, I, I greatly appreciate what you're saying. But I will tell you this, that if you've been around this ball club this year or you've watched a lot of the Washington Nationals, there are a lot of guys that, that I would have uh, guessed after Howie Kendrick. And what I mean by that is, as far as big swings for this team in 2019, I would say Rendon and Soto interchangeably, however you want to put them, at the top of the list. Howie Kendrick's third. I mean, this is a guy that, he hit 340 this year. His ops was over 900. He had an unbelievable season. He's better now offensively than he was 10 years ago when he was great. Uh, he hits more power now than he ever has before and drives the ball to the park more frequently. He had the best average exit velocity on the team for months at a time. So I would label him as having been their third best offensive player this year. I think that story in and of itself is the unlikely part of this whole thing. But in terms of him coming through in the playoffs – uh, he, to me, makes perfect sense. He, he's done it literally since April for this group. And like every other player on the team, you're talking about a guy who's overcome in the last couple of years a ruptured Achilles in his mid-30s that was supposed to have been the end of the road. And uh, he decided to come back on the Chief and, and give it one last ride. And at this point, you know, he, he's made himself another multi-year deal. Now, I'd assume he goes to the American League because he should be DHing at this juncture. But... I'm not surprised at all that it was Howie Kendrick. He is a professional at bat and waiting. 
And in a big spot for this team, I would want Soto at the plate one, Rendon at the plate two, and I would put Kendrick third. Grant, last one. We'll get you out of here. I got to ask you about the Trent Williams drama. Can't let you go until you explain to me what <laughs> is going on with Trent Williams and the helmet discomfort and what the end game is here for both parties. Well, now you're asking me to rationalize the irrational, right? I don't have great answers here, and I've talked to a lot of people, and I guess I have information without really a whole lot of logic or reason. Uh, Trent Williams had helmet discomfort for the better part of the last couple of years, uh, dating back to when he initially had this growth on his head that he thought was misdiagnosed or at least mistreated. And it's something he's been dealing with for a long time. I mean, it was it was painful for him to put his helmet on. And it, I mean, there were weeks where he wasn't sure if, if he could get through games with the pain from what I was told. It never prohibited him from playing. It never prohibited him from being a part of the team. I, I believe this is, if I could channel like a Jalen Ramsey, this is kind of all part of his plan. He wanted to report before the trade deadline so that he could accrue a season. I believe he's going to be able to do that regardless of the exemption and the other things that they've got on the table. And eventually he'll be one step closer to free agency. So for people not understanding kind of where we're at now, he had this year and next year left on his deal. If he never reported, he would actually have to tack on a second year after next year before he can leave Washington. So by reporting before the deadline when he did, he guaranteed himself, it looks like, the right to, to get the free agency after next season. It's, a, it's just a, a huge blow to the Redskins, who have handled this horrendously because they didn't trade him, and now he just lost a lot of value because you got to tackle with some injury history and some multiple suspensions on his ledger, entering his mid-30s now, who instead of having two years left on his deal or a year and a half, is going to have one year left on his deal. But specific to the, the helmet pain, I think this was the way – after he reported that he ensured that he didn't play. Uh, you just have to be on, on IR. You've, you've got to be basically back on the roster. You don't have to be on the field to accrue that season. So I think his master plan all along, and he's had months to draw it up, and this is speculation, I will say that. You know, I, I believe that he never planned on playing a down for the Redskins this year. And I believe that by showing back up, he's getting closer to free agency, and he doesn't want them to benefit from his services as one of the best left tackles in football. And this is his way to, to be there and accounted for and get credit for attendance without actually ever taking the field. What a mess the Redskins have made of that and, frankly, everything else. At least you got the <laughs> Nationals. We've been saying that for a while since we've talked to you here on the program. Grant Paulson, 106.7 The Fan in D.C. Appreciate the time. Enjoy the parade on Saturday in the nation's capital. Yeah, it's still stunning to me to hear those words. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Going to take a while to soak in. And, boy, it's amazing. Bruce Allen still runs that franchise. We'll see if 31-year-old Trent Williams gets himself a new contract. Uh, hopefully he finds himself out of that organization next year, Ross. Speaking of amazing, Dave, Zip Recruiter is amazing. A lot more amazing than that Bud Light Zip you just took. <laughs> You should get. You should hire me. Forget Dylan Miskowitz and the director of coffee. You should hire me for your director of beer, just like Dylan did for his director of coffee. With ZipRecruiter, they don't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and then invites those people to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posts his job on ZipRecruiter. Said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. 
He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee, and you can find your new director of beer, Dave, in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You know, speaking of, of beer, Ross, you know, Molson Coors, one of the historic names in beer, is changing its name from Molson Coors Brewing Company to Molson Coors Beverage Company. And you know why, because you are a hard seltzer guy. Hard seltzer is the reason Molson Coors is changing its name from that iconic beer brewer to hard seltzer. That is a sign of the times. The kids, they just don't drink the beer. They drink the hard seltzer stuff. I figure Brad Evans is, well, we know he's a tequila man. Let's talk about him, uh, that and fantasy things this week with Brad Evans from Yahoo Sports. Brad, good to see you, my friend. Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker, happy Halloween, my friend. I'm trying to see if you are in costume right now. Uh, we'll get to Brad in just a sec from Yahoo Sports. We'll take a quick break, come back with fantasy discussion for the upcoming weekend. Tonight's game, Niners, Arizona. What are the fantasy implications? Big fantasy football weekend ahead. Let's talk about it with Brad Evans from Yahoo Sports. Follow him at Yahoo Noise on Twitter. Brad in the Mile High City. Good to see you, my friend Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Happy Halloween. Is that a costume or just a hat you wear out and about every other day? Well, it's about five degrees above zero outside here in uh, beautiful Denver, Colorado. So, yeah, I mean, when you don't have any hair, your head gets cold. And my picks, well, they're crap. So it seems appropriate. Shithead. Shithead Brad Evans. <laughs> Ross, I love what you're doing with your hair, man. I'm very envious. All right, so here's the question. Do you know who I am, Brad? Uh, yeah, main character from Moana. Yes. Maui, very good. I like it. Uh, what I don't like is the running back situation for the Arizona Cardinals tonight, Brad. No David Johnson, no Chase Edmonds, my buddy who grew up right there. I can point to it from my house where he grew up. So, number one, what are the Cardinals going to do tonight? And then number two, if you need a running back because there's four buys out there, and you've got either buys or injuries like Chase Edmonds and David Johnson, who can you maybe pick up? <laughs> Picking up uh, is a chore right now because most waiver wires are very sparse. But if you have somebody on your bench, uh, you know, I think Devin Singletary is somebody it's must plug and play material this week going against Washington in front that has allowed the eighth most fantasy points to the running back position and Singletary uh, outsnapped the vampire Frank Gore 42 to 18 last week. And if that uh, continues, I mean, you're looking at at least 50 to 60 combined yards and a touchdown. Now, as far as tonight goes, I'm thinking the Cardinals and the points here, guys. Uh, recency bias is a hell of a drug. 
And I understand that everybody and their great-grandmother uh, are on the San Francisco 49ers and for good reason after the drubbing that they doled out last week uh, to the Carolina Panthers. But I'm seeing the line at 10.5 at some spots this morning, even at 10 points. You know, I like Arizona's going to win this game outright, but I think they're going to be competitive. Kenyon Drake, it'll be interesting how much he's going to be involved. Uh, we may get a little bit of uh, peppering of Alfred Morris, who is exhumed from the fantasy graveyard here of late, along with Zach Zinner. Uh, but Drake will probably get, you know, 12, 13 total touches. My guess is 50, 55 combined yards at most. San Francisco is a bend-don't-break defense. Uh, they have been outstanding, and you know, defensively for the most part this season, though they have allowed 4.4 yards per carry to fantasy running backs on the year. All right, so you got no golf, no breeze, no Ryan. They're on buys. We're guessing no Mahomes, but not entirely clear there. Um, Baker Mayfield has played like your hat. Is this the weekend <laughs> to trust him in your backyard there in Denver? No, absolutely not. I mean, the Broncos, the one saving grace of this team is that they played terrific pass defense. Uh, they rank inside the top 10 and fewest fancy points allowed to the quarterback position. Chris Harris is still playing at an elite level. Uh, I think he's going to be shadowing and draped all over Odell Beckham Jr. from start to finish in this game. If you find any player props on Beckham, I, I bet the under and heavily. Uh, I think it's going to be a slog of a game with Brandon Allen. Brandon Allen! under center for the Denver Broncos. And Briggs, you're going to love this comp. I went back, did a little research, uh, was perusing some old scouting reports of him when he came out of Arkansas. And the most consistent comp I saw to Mr. Allen was Case Keenum. Case closed. <laughs> oh, thank you, John Elway. Thank you, Brad Evans, for that comp. Yeah, I love welcome, it, my Brad. Friend. Yeah, hey, Brad, let's get into uh, Sunday Night Football a little bit. I, I think it's by far the game of the day. It's the Patriots at the Ravens. And I guess the question is, for people that have Lamar Jackson or Mark Ingram or whoever, are, are, is the Patriots defense to the point where you should consider benching them? Or because of Chubb's success, are you rolling with these guys? Let me read the list of quarterbacks that the New England Patriots have faced. And let me tell you, it's a murderer's row uh, right there on Alcatraz. I mean, it's it's bone chilling, Ross. So you might want to cower in the corner when you hear some of these names. Ben Roethlisberger. Okay, legit. Uh, then Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. Luke Falk. Josh Allen. Colt McCoy. Daniel Jones. By the way, we saw a little bit of Matt Barkley in that Josh Allen Buffalo game. Sam Darnold, and then Baker Baker, failure maker himself, Baker Mayfield. They haven't played anybody. You know, I, I think this is a really good secondary. Are they legendary? Are they historically good? Are they 85 Bears, 2000 Baltimore Ravens defensively good? No, I'm not convinced of it. Lamar Jackson is the true litmus test. A player averaging 82 rush yards per game. He's on pace for 1,316 uh, ground yards that would obliterate Michael Vick's single season record in rushing yards by an NFL quarterback. I think Lamar Jackson goes off. Uh, I think Mark Ingram could have himself a decent game. We saw a chink in the armor last week with Nick Chubb. Despite the couple of turnovers, he ran for 131 yards on this Patriots front. And I think we're going to see the unblemished New England Patriots 
fall for the first time this year. I'm uh. taking the Ravens outright to win this game on the money line. And, of course, I'll have some additional action on the point. So I am not deterred. I am not frightened. I am not scared. Baltimore is going to serve up old Tommy boy a giant slice of humble pie. Good Lord, I have heard enough of that prediction. It's not going to happen, dude. <laughs> Bill Belichick does one thing better than anyone in the history of the game. He takes away that one thing you do well. Lamar Jackson is one-dimensional. He, I, I, Look, all right, you and I need to work out a bet on this game because Nick Costos didn't want to get any action on it. I like the Patriots. I like them by 10. I'm not buying the notion. And And by the way, all those defenses you mentioned, the Patriots are far better than them statistically. I know they haven't played anybody, but they are far better than them statistically. If the offense didn't score a point, I think the Patriots are what? 4-2-2? Two, and two? Still playoff team without the offense setting foot on the football field. But we'll let that one go for now. Uh, Gardner Minshew, I'm surprised to see your number six ranked quarterback overseas in London. Why? Well, look, it is the upside down uh, across the pond there. You never know what you're going to get. That's kind of a Bermuda Triangle of a situation there uh, in jolly old England. But I love Gardner Minshew. I mean, he sounds like a butler who works at Buckingham Palace. And I think he's a guy that is going to be quite the revelation for fantasy purposes this week. Um, you know, he's right now been the 12th best fantasy quarterback on the entire season. A player that's top 15 and just a completion percentage. He's attacking defenses down the field. And what's really interesting, too, from a fantasy perspective is he's always, uh, you know, adding a little bit of sweetener to the overall line, averaging just north of 20 rush yards per game. So given the shortcomings of this Houston secondary, Jonathan Joseph has been abysmal in coverage for much of the season. Uh, the vulnerabilities there, no J.J. Watt uh, to apply pressure on the pocket. I think Minshew is going to have himself a game, you know, 280 to 300, multiple touchdowns, 20 to 40 rushing yards. This is why I believe he's firmly a top 10 option in a buy heavy week. So I want to get into AJ Green, Brad. Uh, people have kept him on their roster, maybe for the stretch run, maybe for the playoffs. Now we know Andy Dalton's benched. We don't know exactly when AJ's coming back, but I guess if you've hung on to him this long, you just keep hanging. Yeah, you know, I'm one of those people. Uh, I drafted AJ Green like round seven, round eight uh, after the injury news came out in regards to his ankle. And, you know, I decided to sit on that egg and I've been nursing that sucker for, you know, weeks on end, hoping that Green will return to action. Uh, I, I think he's going to now. I mean, Ryan Finley is a middle-of-the-road rookie. Uh, I scouted him. I saw my scouting report here on him uh, when I was crunching tape back in April for the NFL draft. Uh, these were the takeaways I had for the 6'4", 213-pound prospect out of NC State. Poised, pro-style experience, recognition, sharp, because he's a smart guy. Uh, in terms of below or negatives, below average arm, marginal versus top competition. So that's what I saw in regards to Finley. He kind of reminds me of like a poor man's Chad Pennington from back in the day, a guy that could be accurate in the uh, short to intermediate field, but isn't going to be blowing away defenses with explosive pass plays beyond, you know, say 20 yards. So uh, they're going to want to try to set him up for success. 
I think AJ Green's going to be back sooner uh, rather than later. However, you got to temper your expectations despite his electrifying talents, uh, probably more of the high-end wide receiver three in 12-team leagues rest of season than the, you know, accustomed back-end wide receiver one that we've seen in the past. A poor man's Chad Peddington would make an awesome Twitter profile if you are Ryan Finley and you're listening. Brad Evans, enjoy the freezing cold and the Cleveland Browns this weekend. Happy Tequila Thursday, my friend. Master Tequila and happy Halloween, everyone. Look out for that dude in your Denver neighborhood. Slam that door. Ross, you know, I was going to be Gardner Minshew for Halloween. That was the plan since Minshew mania took over. I ordered a jersey from China because I'm cheap and I don't like to pay for a, you know, a legit, expensive, authentic jersey. It never came. The, the, com- the company in China said it was delivered to my door. That's why I had to scramble and come up with the late last minute Jeff Adams and get on Fanatics and furiously scramble. It was, a, it was a, an unfortunate incident. Dave, I, I told you the Chinese government watches and listens to this show. They heard your comments. I don't think it's a coincidence at all that the jersey never showed up. They just took your money and laughed. Yeah, they are. They're laughing at me right now. I'm trying to contact the uh, the seller, and they're just laughing at me. They're chuckling. All right, we're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, you don't want to miss Julia Rose. If you don't know the name, no big deal. If you don't know the face, no big deal. You probably do know two features that she showed to Garrett Cole in Game 5 of the World Series. Yep, she flashed Garrett Cole in the World Series. She was banned for life by Major League Baseball. She joins us right after the break. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. 